Can I have someone uh, lead us in a prayer as we open God's word today? Okay, thanks, Jan. Oh, precious God, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for um, just enveloping us. We pray you'll envelop um, Pastor Chelsea as she delivers the word that you would have her deliver. You've prepared it. You put it in her heart. You put it in her mind. So I just pray, Father, what comes out of her mouth, Father, will, 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 there'll be seeds planted all through here and that they will flourish and, and be watered by your spirit, Lord. We thank you again for today. We thank you for your treasure of Jesus Christ. In your precious name, amen. Amen. So if you have uh, grabbed a green Bible, you're going to want to turn to page 186. Or if you're following along in your own Bible, we're going to be reading from 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 8. So in the New Testament page numbers in the Green Bibles on page 186. And what we're going to be thinking about this Sunday in particular is what it is that we are waiting for. We're going to find, well, I'm going to tell you now so that you find it now, uh, that the early church suffered from skepticism in their communities about their belief that Jesus was coming back and coming back soon. And so Peter writes these letters to churches in the area that is now modern-day Turkey because they have been hearing from these scoffers who say, the world is no different because of Jesus. So why are you thinking that he's going to come back? Why are you living a life of holiness and godliness when it doesn't really matter? And so Peter says to them, we are living in a time like the time before the flood, when people scoffed at Noah and why he was building the ark and preparing for God to do something really big that would change everything on the face of of the earth. And so we're going to kind of jump into the story right after he's laid that out, that we are living in a time like the time of Noah, where God did something big to change the course of everything. So verse eight, but do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, One day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a loud noise and the elements will be dissolved with fire and the earth and everything that is done on it will be disclosed. 
And since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, what sort of persons ought you to be in leading lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set ablaze and dissolved and the elements will melt with fire? But in accordance with his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness is at home. Therefore, beloved, while you are waiting for these things, strive to be found by him at peace, without spot or blemish, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. This is the word of the Lord. So if Peter were to use modern uh, vernacular, I would label this section of his letter, let's get our minds right about a few things, about what we're dealing with here, my friends. Because it's really easy, right, when you keep getting the same message over and over all around you to start to believe that maybe that message is true. And so Peter's like, hold up, let's get a few things straight. Let's first remember who we're talking about. And not just what is going on around us, right? Remember this distinction of what we know versus who we know when we make our decisions about what's actually happening in this world and what we hope for and promise and trust. So Peter says, drawing on a narrative that we find in the Psalms, for God, one day and a thousand years are no different. For God, All of eternity is open before him as though it were now. This is the mystery of our God who is so everything, all the omni, omnipresent, omnipotent, or omnipotent, omniscient, knows all things, is all-powerful, has all of history in front of him, and he has a plan and a purpose based on what he has shared through his promises. And so people, like maybe Noah, wondered when God would show some things about what he had promised that it would come true for his sake among the scoffers. Abraham himself wondered about when he would have children based on the promise of God, but had to wait. The Israelites had to wait to receive the promised land, and it probably happened a little later than they might have liked. They waited for the Messiah and the birth of the promised one from the prophets for a long time, didn't they? And now we wait again. Knowing that God has all of the story in front of him and has planned to work in a particular way at a particular time according to his purpose. And so we are people who live on the promises not on the reality. So Peter says, remember that we have to remember who God is. We have to understand or seek to understand things from his perspective. And this is my favorite part of this whole story. Perhaps we need to realize how God waiting to fulfill this particular promise is for our good. For the Lord is not slow to keep his promise, 
as some would consider slowness, he writes. Based on our definition of what it means for God to do the work that he has promised to do. But God always works for our good. And so what is the good that God is doing by holding off on his return? God, in his love, is withholding his judgment on the sin of the world so that his people might come to repentance. God, in his love for the world, is withholding, punishing us the moment we sin, because our sins have been forgiven by Jesus, but also so that we might come to know him. The patience of the Lord ought to be considered salvation, he writes. The fact that God is not returning ought to be considered a gift to us and not something worse. And I wonder whether or not that gift of God's waiting to return is so that his people could come to know him as the Holy Spirit. God the Father who made himself known as Yahweh in the Old Testament, Jesus the Son who made himself known in the Incarnation, and then promised to us God the Holy Spirit to be with us until the ends of the ages. And so I wonder if one of the gifts of God's slowness to keep the return of Jesus' promise might be so that we come to know the kingdom of God in us. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. The one that draws us to this act of repentance. For did you not know, Paul writes in Romans, that the kindness of the Lord leads you to repentance. That the patience and the forbearance of God who bears with us and our sins is so that we will turn towards him and seek his presence in our life. God's kindness is what leads us to repentance. The gift of God's slowness is what leads us to repentance. But make no mistake, the time is coming. It will come like a thief in the night. And it will come to lay bare everything in this earth. And there will be no place for the darkness to hide when the light of Christ shines. The picture that we are meant to get from this dissolving of the earth and the burning away and the new heavens and the new earth is meant to be this idea of God peeling back and laying bare everything on earth everything in our hearts, everything that we do, and then having the burning fire of God, the refiner's fire, burn away from us all that does not belong to him. Burning away from us all that belongs to the darkness. In fact, the the word there for burning is like when you burn with a fever. 
when your body is trying to dispel the sickness inside of you, or when you burn metal and shape it for a new purpose. And so God will burn this earth and will burn our lives and shape it for his purpose and burn from within us and burn from within this world the things that do not belong to him. And in his slowness, God invites us to experience that today. In his slowness, the invitation to us is to have the Holy Spirit, that refiner's fire, begin that work of purifying us for that day of God's coming. Have you ever faced something very unknown with a little bit of trepidation or worry about how it was going to go? But then after doing it one time, you kind of knew what to expect, and it was a little less fearful to do it again. Perhaps for some of you, that might be something like childbearing. That's one of my fears. Or perhaps it's starting a new job and going in for the first day. Or maybe it's the first meeting you have with your counselor or your therapist. And you know you need to lay bare some things in your life. And that's a scary proposition. But after you begin that work and you see how the Holy Spirit refines you, it becomes less scary each time. And so the gift of God's slowness is that as we do this work, as we receive the kingdom of Jesus Christ into our lives and experience the Holy Spirit shaping us into the things and the people God desires us to be, we have less to fear about the second coming, don't we? Because the kingdom of God Jesus Christ, who is our righteousness, is making himself already at home with us. And at the second coming, Jesus will make the whole earth his home. And so we live this act every day in repentance and death and resurrection with Jesus. And we do not fear this future. In Hebrews 12, we're told that Jesus is this refined, that God is this refining fire, that the Holy Spirit, that God the Father, all of them, they refine us with this fire. And in the Apprentice series, we read a part of a sermon by a guy named George MacDonald. And he has this beautiful phrase, love loves us unto purity. God who is love refines us through his love unto the purity that speaks of Christ in our lives. And so we have this opportunity to hasten the day of the Lord's return by living this with God life. Living as though, not because of us and our unrepentance, the Lord has had to wait to return to give us the opportunity to do that work. That as far as it depends on you, you are seeking to be refined by the refiner's fire. And seeing this time of waiting as the gift to others as well. 
to come to know the salvation of our God. Righteousness is at home. Jesus is at home. May this be the truth for you and for me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray for your love to love us unto purity. We pray that as we live as ones who come without fear in repentance, seeking forgiveness, and your Holy Spirit's transformation of us, as we seek to have your kingdom come in us and through us in this world and hasten the coming of our Lord with the expectant desire for all to know your presence, God, We pray for the courage to do this thing with you. We pray for those whom you have called your own to come to this place of knowledge and assurance. And we pray that we will not be just people who pray for your kingdom to come around us, but we pray that your kingdom will come in us. So as we strip off the old self, and all of its practices, those things that you have called us to put to death and know as things that belong to our old way of life. And as we put on in their place the way of righteousness, which is the way of love of God and neighbor, we pray that Jesus will make himself more and more at home through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.